I'm hot. Oh my gosh. But I'm not, I like it, even though it's ridiculous. I like it and I don't want. No, this, this heat is, is, is a lot. I can't like, <laughs> I can't handle it myself. See, I have to stick by my guns because I actually, no, I genuinely like it. It's ridiculously yeah. stuffy and it's making me want to sleep. But I just would rather heat than anything else on this earth. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I really, I just don't care. I just want it to be hot all the time. Anyway, hi, I'm a creative champion. And I'm with the wonderful, please introduce yourself. Ashley Bannerman. Do you know what? The thing about you, young ladies, I see you everywhere. And I feel <laughs> like I've watched your career grow since I launched the British Blacklist anyway. But I don't know you. It's like you're not out there out there is that so please tell the listeners what you do well i'm an actress mm-hmm. um from london and yeah i'm just trying to survive right now I'm trying to survive the situation right now i'm trying to just move forward and grow my career and yeah hopefully carry on doing some great things have you purposely kept yourself out of the limelight I'm, and i'm not saying that maybe um the limelight's been coming to you either so i don't know how are you-, you know, it's so interesting that you've brought that up actually because this year, uh, well, actually, just recently, I haven't felt great because no. of everything that's happening. Obviously, I had, I've had a, my daughter as well um, a few months ago, which was amazing, but also I suffered a bereavement as well very shortly yeah. after. And I just, yeah, I definitely felt like I'd gone through a bit of an emotional roller coaster. And, and of late, I've really felt the need to like not be on social media and not be out there and not be pushing myself out there and self-promoting. Like it just didn't feel genuine. It didn't feel like I was able to kind of cope with that at this time. And so in a way, I, I've definitely recently kept out of the limelight, which I suppose for some people might be odd because arguably I've probably done like one of the bigger jobs I've in my career just recently and probably would be a time where people would expect you to really be pushing yourself and self-promoting, but it just didn't feel right at this particular time. I just had other priorities and had to sort of look after myself, I suppose. I, I don't think it's necessarily conscious effort. I think it's just the nature of my personality a little bit. Like, I wouldn't say I'm an introvert, but I, I am a bit reserved, if you like. I'm quite a private person, so I do find it hard to find a balance between, like, promote myself and be genuine. It's a tricky balance to strike, I think. I feel you, because I get told off a lot for not doing more self-promotion whereas though people are saying oh you're everywhere I'm like I'm actually only everywhere because the nature of what I do means I have to put myself in the forefront but I'm actually especially recently and I kind of understand what you mean about checking if the promotion is genuine I find myself wanting to be more and more behind the scenes and have more people do things on behalf of British Blacklist than it be me all the time and I don't know but also I'm an old old woman and we didn't have the social media and stuff like that where you had to promote yourself like that. So I can understand the pressure if you're an introvert or a quiet yeah. person. I'm definitely like a private person. Like I don't like to put too much of my personal life like out on social media. And now and again, I do post like a, a personal picture or a picture of my daughter on her birthday or something like that. But then I end up taking it down because I get an anxiety about it. And yeah. so I just think to myself, I just need to stop doing it because I don't like it. So it's really hard. I totally get where you're coming from. And that's why I felt like I couldn't be really forward with promotion at this time because I wasn't feeling that great. And so I felt like I don't want to be saying, oh, I'm really excited about this, X, Y, Z, look at me, look at me, look at me. When actually all I wanted to do is like hide and look after myself. 
I think it's fair that you put yourself first. I think there is that mm. pressure for creatives, regardless of what line you take. And obviously it's, wor it's worse in quotes for actresses. You know, there's an assumption that all actresses want the line, right? They want to be yeah. super famous. They want to be adored. And, you know, it's like you're supposed to be. So I can understand. And I'm sure many people re will relate to you in yeah. that whole space of like, okay, we've got to promote this massive project. Literally don't want to, just want to stay in my bubble and protect myself from the madness yeah. outside. But so, you know, being an actress, Mm. always on the cards or was it something that you fell into or not at all actually um I have a really kind of atypical route into acting I was well still am <laughs> actually in psychology so I did a degree in psychology and I was working as like an assistant psychologist and then had a little like young life crisis and was like I miss acting so I used to obviously like do acting and stuff like it at a level and really loved it had a passion for it and stuff and I wanted to go to drama school, but I was just too scared that it wasn't seen as a real career. So I kind of chickened out of the route and went down the psychology route because it just felt like the safest thing to do at the time. And then really regretted it and not following my passions. So in the moment when you like doing psychology, you're like, oh no, this is such the wrong move. Was it like in the middle of doing an exam? Was it in the middle of, or was it hopefully not assessing somebody? Like, oh, you know, <laughs> this, girl's per this person's problems. No, I mean, I still have a love of psychology, but what it yeah. was, it was... Um, I was working as a research assistant for the NHS in a probation service. Okay. Random. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going through the data and I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? You know, like you literally just have a realization like this is not what I was supposed to be doing. That's when I started like reaching out to actors that I knew or and my old like drama school teacher and just asking for advice about like, I really want to just ignite that passion again. It, ha it had nothing to do with actually me working professionally as an actress. It was just about me going to do some classes, joining a drama club or whatever it was, and just getting getting it out of my system. But then I, I went to Identity, Femi Ogun's school, and they really liked me. And so they, they moved me sort of through the bands quite quickly and um, signed me. And then, yeah, the rest is history, really. <laughs> then for about eight years now. I chared a conversation with some guys that went to Central School of Speech and Drama. Mm. And they were just talking about their issues with being in an institution that's renowned for actors to go through. You know, you know those, you've got these hallowed institutions that actors aspire to train at because they want those accolades. Were you ever, did you ever feel that you had to go to any of those institutions and what was it about identity? Apart from someone maybe referring you to identity, did you ever think about having to go to RADA or Central or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, I definitely thought about it. Um, I did, I remember I did like a summer workshop with RADA just before I went to identity, I think. Or maybe it was when, during, I can't remember, but um, I definitely felt a pressure to be like professionally trained in that sense and obviously the identity uh, that's now isn't the identity that was then so it was a bit more I think relaxed and a bit more sort of like just evening classes I think now it's a bit more sort of like yeah, yeah more like a school and uh yeah so I definitely felt pressure to do that but identity for me it just felt real I felt like immediately comfortable there I felt like you know there were obviously other black actors there as well where I felt like you know you just immediately relate to people and even the pieces that we use you know felt relatable and I remember even from doing drama in a level that sometimes you, you know the pieces you would use wouldn't even feel relatable not just based on race because you know stories are stories but just the things that they were doing 
was amazing. It just felt real. And, and then there was so much, it was so hung, it was such a hungry environment as well. I remember like it was, a, it was an environment where you felt like you had to do better. Like people were just in there smashing it every time and you just had to get better and do better. I love the experience. Yeah. And I mean, you're in good company. The, you, the identity alumni is very uh, prestigious at this yeah. point. And it's something to aspire to just in, in reflection to the conversation about, you know, the white earth institutions and the ones that have the kind of long legend behind them there is something to be said about being in a, a black environment that you feel comfortable and relatable and especially about the monologue pieces or the pieces that you work from that can help you grow as an actor yeah you relate to them I don't, and I don't know I don't and then as you said stories are stories so it shouldn't be that the piece has to be black for you to get the best out of yeah. a person however why not have a piece that kind of speaks to you so you can tap into another part another level and then you can draw on that for something that's not maybe relatable to you and is that what you found yeah exactly that's exactly it you know said better than i did <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you know like it, that's exactly it It was the stories it was the relatability it was uh you know just the immediate connection that you need so, i mean as an actor you need to find a connection you need to find sure. a character you need to find you know what what you like about a character what you you know don't like about them you need to fall in love with your character even if you're horrible people anyway yeah I think because they were able to kind of tap into our mentalities in that sense and find those relatable pieces, I think that's what really made it interesting and exciting to be a part of. And was your first role in Brothers of No Game? No, no, my first role was Casualty, actually. Yeah, I think I knew that. Or no, I didn't know that. I didn't know which came first, the chicken. Yeah, they came, they came really close together. Yeah. yeah, I think I was probably filming it about the same time, actually, because it was over a period of time, so... Yes, my first role was casually, which was amazing, you know, like, I literally went to this drama school audition, they were like, yeah, cool, go straight into the professionals class, a few months after that, we're going to sign you, and then literally, like, a few weeks after that, I booked casualty, so it was like, ah! I knew it was all God in that sense, you know, like, it was all, everything fell into place, you know? Yeah, but that, so that means you're not a struggling black actress, you don't have that story. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't have the typical. I feel really like like a fraud because I didn't do that whole like grafting section. And 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 I don't say that to be like you know. I think I in a way I wish I kind of wish I did you know because I think it gives you more grit and experience. But um, I've had a different a very different route. It was a very very amazing extraordinary route actually. Yeah. But I mean I think it's good to hear that the stories aren't always because they don't always struggle stories and sometimes struggle is associated with black people, black women, yes. dark skinned women. It's like oh the struggle, the struggle, the struggle and actually it's quite refreshing to hear that it's not that and you can actually be what you know what my career was all right you know. I have probably quite unconventional views about acting as well. It's like I know some people would be like you can only be an actor you know, you have to make it every fibre of your body. It's all you can do. And I feel like, listen, you've got to do what's right for you. Yeah, if you need to do a little day job and be trying to make it, then that's what you should do. Do what's right for you in your situation. Like, don't be sort of coaxed into doing things in someone's particular way because because actually that's not necessarily right for you. I mean, you see, you sound very psychological and very sensible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's, my, maybe that's my problem. Maybe I do need to be like something else. I don't no, know. No, you don't. You need to be you, as you said. No, it's, it's fine. <laughs> but it's, it's just nice. It's, I wouldn't even say it's just nice here because that sounds like everyone else I speak to is all doom and gloom. But it's refreshing to have somebody that can speak positively about a situation where, mm. like I said, we're boxed into this narrative that it's all struggle and pain. Mm -hmm. And being a black woman and being a dark skinned woman, then, you know, those are the things that you think, oh, God, 
it's going to be very hard for her, isn't it? She's not going to get any roles. She's going to be a single black mum for the rest of her life. You know what I mean? <laughs> so not that there's anything wrong with that in life, but in, you know, the narrative and all that type of stuff. So in being in Casualty and then maybe simultaneously doing Brothers of No Game, one's BBC, one's a bunch of guys who had a, have an idea, enthusiastic idea, and thought, come on, guys, let's get on with it. It's going to be good. What was your thinking behind saying yes to that? And then comparing it, because you know, obviously, you, you know, some people are like, well, I'm in BBC now. I don't need this web series. However, you did take part. You were one of the leads. And just, I mean, it's a legacy that I couldn't, I don't think anyone would have necessarily predicted that where it is today. Yeah. What was your thinking behind saying yes to Brothers No Game? The script. When you read the script and you're laughing out loud, like, how can you not be part of it? It was literally us. It was like black British Londoners, 20 somethings, just trying to navigate this crazy life mm. as a black British person. And it, yeah, I, I just, it, they totally, totally, totally hit the nail on the head when it came to Brothers and Logan. They, they just killed it. And I loved every second of doing it. You know, you recently had a reunion. What did you learn about being in a project like Brothers of No Game and maybe something that's informed the way you want to be as an actress or how, the career that you want to... It certainly made me realise how important it is to love what you do and, like, to love to get up and go to work every day and, and also to kind of just be part of something that felt relatable as well and felt genuine. Mm. Um, and actually, it's not always about the big, glitzy, glam glamorous, like, jobs like things that just feel real and true and fulfilling and wholesome. Like, I don't think I've ever actually had that feeling again. I think when it comes to Brothers in the Game, for me, that's, it's a project that's really close to my heart, not only because I'm obviously like really good friends with Leon and Paul and all the guys. It was just a project that I just feel like it will always be close to my heart because it was just so real, so genuine. And it just made me feel like I always, like I, I always want to keep my, I suppose my ear to the ground for projects. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't yeah. want to ever feel like I get, so big that you're just looking at you know the next biggest check or the next biggest platform actually you know it's important to do the things that relate to you and that you know make you feel good you know but you are in now a big i'm assuming not to get into financial business a nice project <laughs> called cursed yeah <laughs> you know, and it looks like it's got a bit of a budget but how did that come to you and then why would you why did you say yes because your character's called cora yeah so tell us about it and why you said yes to it yeah, so Curse is, is like an epic sort of reimagining of an Arthurian legend, really. Mm. It's like a, a, a reimagining of the Sword in the Stone, um, with uh, Nemwe being the main lead and the centre of the story, uh, who effectively turns out to be sort of Lady of the Lake in the legend, Arthurian legend. For me, I, you know, the audition came through like in a standard way, like through your, through my casting director mm. and, you know, I'd never done anything like Curse before, actually. Um, I'd always done things that were really real, like, um, you know, Casualty, Turn Up Charlie. They were all very, like, natural-based sort of dramas and comedies mm. and stuff. No fairies. And, yeah, no fairies, no deer antlers, no, yeah. like, magical powers. No, yeah. <laughs> no, like, you know, persecution from paladins and things like that. But, yeah, obviously, when you get the opportunity to, to do high fantasy, it's like, how can you say no as an actor? Like, you get to go into a complete different world and explore it, and you get to have the antlers and prosthetics and, you know, period costume and all of that kind of stuff. And, and so, yeah, it was an amazing opportunity. I had the great... I did have a great time filming it as well, and um, I uh, met some great people. 
and uh, there's a lot of uh, British actors and a lot of black British actors in it as well from my agency and from others and they really I think made an effort to make sure it was a diverse cast which you know is quite unusual in sort of fantasy exactly genre so were you ever a fan of fantasy and adventure and things like that yeah I mean I love I'm a big Game of Thrones fan I love Merlin as well so it felt like a little bit of a mix between like Merlin Game of Thrones and it had a little bit of like a Da Vinci Code vibe in there of the whole sort of paladin kind of aspect and stuff. Mm. It is quite a, a dark show, but I definitely like relished the opportunity to be part of something that was different to what I, I did. Can you tell us about a bit about your character, Cora? Yeah. What she means to the world of Cursed? When I went to the audition, the casting director said, Cora is like a light in a lot of the darkness. Like she's... Oh. She, and that, that's what actually drew me to do because actually it's quite an atypical type like I mean, a show called Curse like I'm Christian as well so I'm like, I'm like hey, what is this? Yes. What is the show, <laughs> show that I'm being part of and it actually is a bit darker than I thought it was going to be if I'm totally honest but um, they, uh, he was like yeah she's a light in all of the, the darkness and so I was really like oh wow that really speaks to me like that's, that's like a, a nice sort of positive interpretation of the character and um she's basically like the one of the principal kind of um what they call fawns so Mm. there's like different tribes of the fey tribe so the fey are like these people who have like magical powers and there's the fawns who are like the deer people and then the snakes and the uh, tusks and the moon wings and yeah so she's like kind of like the principal form like she's the leader of the the camp as well where they have all kind of escaped to try to um escape the paladins and so she's always part of the kind of action where it's about you know there's been a crisis what are we going to do next and trying to strategize and help her people alongside Nemwe and Arthur and so it was a it was an exciting character to play. I like the fantasy and I always lament not having enough black characters and representation yeah what's your favorite fantasy are you a game of thrones girl i'm a game of thrones girl i also like you know this people find this one cheesy but i did like once upon a time and i had once upon a time vibes in this in um seeing that in and cursed and even though this was a lot more darker than i thought i thought it was more kids focused cursed or like so I yeah, can... because the bits that I'm in <laughs> are really like, and obviously I read the whole script, but obviously it's all about interpretation. But the yeah. bits that I'm in are really like light and airy. And I was yeah, like, yeah. even I was like, my pillow, like, damn, this is, this is a bit deep. Yeah, I just like fantasy. And I think I've always liked that adventures. And I always wish that we had more, especially for young people, to watch that escapism. Because I mean, if, you can't have diversity in a fantasy show. Where else can, you know, it's ridiculous, exactly. right? So I was speaking to Wumi Masaki, who is in Lovecraft Craft Country. Oh my God. Okay, blame the heat. Blame the heat. So actually, actually, let me ask that. When you're trying to say something and you mess up on set, how do you like get over? Well, how do you solve your kind of either forget lines or flubbing line because you might get caught up in a loop? Like I clearly have been caught up in a loop. Trying to say. Let me tell you, when you fluff one line, no matter how simple or short that line is, you're gonna fluff that about another ten times. Yeah. And it is so annoying because you know for a fact that it's such a simple line, but. (laughs) That's how you know acting is so, so like mental, if that makes yeah. sense. Once you get in your head, you're just finished. Like you're totally finished. If you start editing yourself and listening to yourself, you, it will completely throw you off. So yeah, that happens to me all the time. Oh man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's life. <laughs> it is life. But anyway, as I was saying, I was speaking to Wumi Masaku, who's in Lovecraft Country, 
which is coming, yeah. to, <laughs> coming to our TV screen soon. And we were just talking about, because it's got some elements, some deep, dark elements in it, and the whole being, I don't know, whether, whatever your background, whether it's traditional, cultural, religious, the conflict, you know, black people, we don't, we don't like stepping into those spaces so much. And you said you are Christian, so can you reconcile that? I mean, obviously you took, you took the role and you were in it, but what kind of, how did you resolve it, even though your character was, is light in amongst all the darkness, mm. the whole theme in itself? It's really interesting because I, I have struggled with that a little bit, actually. Mm -hmm. um, because like I said, I think it was, it came up a bit darker than I thought it would. In a sense, I don't really have the answer to that question. Like, I think at the time, I, I always sort of like pray about roles. I actually discussed this role with my pastor as well, because um, I was unsure about taking it, because there are, were some darker moments in it. And I felt at peace with my decision to take the role at the time. But then afterwards, I didn't feel so peaceful with the decision, actually. And so a lot of my time of being off social media as well, it's just about kind of taking time and praying and thinking about sort of where I go next. And I think this role came at the right time mm. because I think it's made me really question exactly what kind of actor I want to be and exactly what kind of jobs I want to do and exactly what I want to represent. And so I'm still actually figuring that out. Any project that's out there, what would be your like, yeah, if I was in that project, I'd be, yeah, this would be me. Oh God, that is a hard question. What would it be? Well, um, I mean, even, even if it's something that, you know, you really enjoyed and you just thought, yeah, I could be comfortably in this. Do you know what? I would do, like, what I would love to do is like another Brothers of No Game. Let it get the recognition that it really deserves, you know, that it's like an international black British kind of comedy drama. Like, that would be my dream role, I think. I, and I think that, that would be everyone's dream to see. <laughs> because yeah because <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm, I cling dearly onto Insecure um, yes Insecure that's it yeah that would yeah. be my main job <laughs> and I can see you in it I can see you leading a, a, a cast like, being in a cast let's, like put it, that. let's put it out there let's put it yeah, out yeah we'll have that I think that, that, that makes sense so I guess maybe from the time you were in Brothers With No Game to mm. now where you've made your kind of you're ready to accept the fact that yes, you're a very talented actress and you're going to go forth in this career, maybe being mindful of the roles that you take. How do you feel about the industry from a British black perspective anyway? Like, do you feel like things are changing? Do you feel like, even though you haven't had the struggle, but do you feel, do you see where things are kind of meshing together, where we're kind of coming together as British black creators, or do you still see the gaps? I think the scene is really healthy right now, in all honesty. Sure. I do think that um, there's a lot of black British talent across the board as well, like from producers to directors to actors to writers. Um, obviously, we've seen like Michaela smash it recently. I May Destroy You and lots of Brit black British talent. I, I love all of those actors. And um, like me and Rucho were at um, Identity together. So it's great to see like people just blow and just do amazing things. I love it. Mm. I think there are still gaps, you know, we can't pretend that there's not. I think we've come a long way though. I don't want to be sort of negative about it because I do mm. think we've come a long way and I do think we're in a healthy, good position. And obviously with the whole Black Lives Matter thing that's happened recently, you know, people are paying more attention to to Black people and yeah. businesses, etc. So I just hope that, I know it's gone a bit quiet now because that always is the case. Um, that people get behind it. And it made me think a lot about my role as a black British actor in this industry. 
and you know when I have a platform because you know I'm, I'm out there I work like I can't complain but for example people like the British Blacklist like yourself you support homegrown talent you always have no matter how big or small that we are do you know mm. what I mean you kind of see us and you encourage us and you support us your posts you know repost things about us and stuff like that we appreciate that but we must not forget you when we reach those quote-unquote heights mm. we should not forget you we should be giving you press releases we should be do you know what I mean supporting your platform in a way that you've supported us when no one else did mm -hmm. so I think as a, an actor I think for me the main thing when I talk about gaps I would say those are the gaps we need to be part of the ecosystem as well and kind of actively you know lift up our black media I think yeah. I appreciate you saying that and it's a truth. We have to understand the power of what we have in our community of creatives who can bring each other up. And um, it is an ecosystem and it's a 360 thing where actors need the media, the media needs actors and yeah. especially black platforms need, as you guys grow, to speak to you because that gives us star power. And it's the same thing as if you're as an actress, you need to make sure that you've got the Vogue, but also the black platform needs the Vogue star to come yeah. back to that platform. And it's, I mean, in my journey, it's been, I mean, most people are pretty grateful. And I think it's interesting watching, like I said at the beginning, watching you guys' careers grow and evolve. It is about building a relationship with them. And you don't necessarily see that until people have gone to that level. So yeah. as you guys grow and then it's like, oh, wow. So then you, you have that friendship and at least industry business relationship where it's, like, it shouldn't be so hard to forget. And also we have to be professional and make sure that our platforms do due diligence and can yeah, compete. That's true. Everyone has to be at the top of their game because I think as black folks, we have a distrust of each other, quality, delivery, and all that type of stuff, which is not necessarily fair, but also we have high standards that we have to appreciate. It's true. All of you guys that have these platforms that support us, like I genuinely appreciate, especially when I'm barely someone who barely posts or puts myself <laughs> out there. You guys still pick us up somehow. <laughs> But yeah, just, oh, motherhood and being an actress as well. Yeah. Fine. Girl, you know, I am going to lie to you. It is hard. It is hard to get that balance. But yeah. I've been, I enjoy it. You know what I mean? I love my children. I love my family. And actually this whole lockdown thing has made you appreciate family so mm. much more. Like so much more. It's been good. It's a tough balance to strike. I'm not going to sit here in front and tell people it's easy. It's not. You've got to plan a little bit. But all I would say to any female actresses who want to have children is don't wait there's never going to be a time and you need to ask yourself would it be like what how would you feel would you feel worse to not kind of you know live out your dreams of being a mother or feel worse to like not get that particular job you know like what's going to lo last longer for you in your life and um, there's always another job it's always yeah um, I think it's, make, it's making peace of that, knowing that there is always more work. Because I think I remember when Jamelia first was blowing up, then had children, and there was all this conversation, like, oh my God, why is she doing that? But, you know, that's one example of a career that's thriving, or even though she chose to have children, and she had multiple. So it's, it, you know, yeah, it's definitely... And my child has always been my handbag, where I can. Obviously, I'm not when I used to do hairdressing and be on set long hours. It's times when she'd come along, and I just have to drag her to places with me, just... At being a single mum, having her understand why mummy's possibly working too long, letting her see what mummy's doing and understand what mummy's doing and why mum's got those long hours. And where convenient, I would bring her along just so she'd understand that. Yeah, and you know what? I have to thank my husband as well for his his support because mm -hmm. without him, I don't think I don't think I'll be able to be living out my dreams in that way. So yeah, it's it's a lot of teamwork. 
in that sense. Yeah. I understand that. Find your village and make it work. But yes, my love, I shall let you go. Thank you. Thank you I very much. That. Thanks a lot. And um, all the best. And you too. We shall speak again. And like I said, shall we? Love.